I think the happiest people out there are the people that overcame the most. So I think you should almost be proud of facing like the so-called poop and like the adversity and all like the stuff that comes along with entrepreneurship. Okay, I think we're ready to rock and roll. Yeah, this is this is exciting. First, uh, first podcast. Yep. First episode. It's hard not to look in the camera. I know it's right there. <laughs> so I'm gonna try and focus over here. Okay, we'll make weird eye contact. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, see if that gets us anywhere. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. So I've got uh, Mike Tyler here on the first episode of the Problem Solution Podcast. And say hi, Mike. Hey guys. There he is. It's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> Mike is the founder of My Hay Farm. And in the future, it's probably going to be known as Allegro. Yeah. Saying that right? Allegro. Okay. So he's, he's in the process of making the change there. But uh, yeah, it's a really, really interesting business. Maybe just give me a quick uh, overview of how the business functions right now, at least. Yeah. So I guess I'll give you some background on how uh, the initial My Hay Farm came to be. Mm-hmm. So I uh, moved to Vancouver Island about five years ago. And I moved to a little town called Machosan. And Machosan is just on the outskirts of Victoria. And it's known to be like a, a very horse kind of orientated uh, community. Mm-hmm. I think the majority of people there, they all own horses. There's like a riding ring down the road that's always kind of people having fun at. People still ride their horses to the corner store, which is <laughs> amazing. It's a, it's the coolest thing ever. That's, that's surprising because it doesn't seem very far away from Victoria. It's like right there. But it it feels like it's a whole different kind of community there. Yep. No, a hundred percent. It's like the closest country to the city. Yeah. So it's definitely a very sought after place to live. Was it, what was the reason that you moved to Machosan over other places? Um, I actually had a friend who uh, was moving there with his wife and uh, like their kids. Mm-hmm. And um, it just so happened that I was just finishing school at the time. And he was like, Hey Mike, do you want to come live with us in Machosan? Because they were buying a piece of property, and uh, it was on 15 acres. And on that 15 acres, it had three houses on it. And he's like, do you want to come and rent out one of the houses on our property? And I was like, of course I do. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Yep, seems perfect. Yeah. And um, then I kind of got thrown into a whole kind of uh, a horse culture, a horse community. And I kept hearing people say how they can't get good quality uh, hay for their animals. And it was actually like a serious, like a serious thing because horses were colicking and actually passing away because of low quality forage. What was it? What was the first word there? Uh, colic. Okay. So pretty much means uh, when a horse's stomach kind of turns for whatever reason, mm. and uh, it's 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 not good. I mean, they're so they're picky eaters. They 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 can't just have any hay. Exactly. Yeah, they definitely don't like the higher sugar kind of feed. Mm. And anyways, like I kept hearing people say how. We just can't get good quality hay. And in the back of my head, I kept thinking, well, hey, I have friends out in uh, Alberta who that's what they do. They grow hay. So I reached out to them, and um, I eventually I, uh, started posting ads on Facebook Marketplace, funny enough, and just put out little ads like, hey, I'm bringing in a truckload of Alberta Timothy. And it was going to be for our horses because where I lived, we had horses as well. We were sharing with their neighbor. And then we still had some bales, like some hay bales available on that truck load. So I put that ad and uh, within a few days, it was completely sold out. 
and I was mm. inundated with requests for people who wanted access to like good quality hay for their animals. So w- when you first put the the posting up, did you think that there was going to be this demand? Like, did you see this as being a big business or is it just kind of something you did because you had the extra hay? Yeah, I think when I first started, I didn't really know what to expect. Mm. I was like, hey, this would be a, a good way to make a, a few extra bucks as like a side hustle, right? Yeah. And um, the way I was doing it, it was super not efficient. I was uh, pre-selling kind of a full load and I would get people to meet uh, in Machosen all like on the same date, on the same time. Like multiple people? Yeah, exactly. Okay. So it, like the truck would show up on a certain day then everyone would have to show up on that exact day to come grab like their hay off the truck. Mm. So if it rained that day, it was a disaster. <laughs> if people didn't show up, I was stuck with a bunch of hay that couldn't really <laughs> store too well because our hay storage was, was was full. Hay problems. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it was super, super messy for the first little while. But so they, there must have been a lot of demand for it if they were all willing to show up on this one day and go out of their way just to get the hay at that time, right? Yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. And uh, no, I started being inundated with messages, people saying, like, thank you so much for doing this. Like, it's it's so nice. He's finally taking the initiative to uh, kind of fill this need. And um, after about, I want to say, almost six months of doing it kind of the, the scrappy startup way, mm-hmm. almost proving out the concept, I uh, reached out to uh, one of my other friends in Machosen. I knew he had a pretty good chunk of property. And uh, that's when the business first kind of started. Because we ended up setting up a little, uh, like a hay storage shelter on his property. So we could store the product, which is nothing new, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, then I would just send customers to to him to come pick up the hay. But then again, we were kind of uh, stuck with the issue of logistically, it was such a pain in the butt. And traditionally, like the whole hay sale, hay broker industry, it's it's very it's very tedious. You're dealing with a lot of customers' inquiries. Uh, logistically, it's it's very confusing. So I I kind of come from a more like entrepreneurial tech background. Mm-hmm. So like, hey, why not build a cool website to automate most of like most of these systems, right? And uh, that's what I did. I feel like in something like agriculture, there's probably a big divide between people who are ready to quickly accept new technology and new ways of doing things versus people who are super stuck in their ways. Is that true? Is that how it works? Oh gosh, a hundred percent. When I was uh, first building the uh, kind of version one of our website, mm-hmm. as I was building it the entire time, I was like, am I wasting my time here? Like I, I wasn't sure what to expect. Did, how- did you know a lot of, people who had horses at that point just from being in Machosen? Yeah, no, I definitely did. Mm-hmm. I, I knew if, if I could get something down where people trusted, then it would be good. Yeah, but the just the initial stages is probably tough to convince them. Okay, this is a different way to do things and it's it's gonna be it's gonna involve the the computer, <laughs> which might be hard to <laughs> yeah. involve some technology. It's slightly different. But um but so did you still have a lot of people who are readily willing to do that? I was actually very surprised. When I first launched the website, I think the majority of people loved it mm-hmm. because they could go in on their convenience. They could select like how many bales they wanted to pick up. They could select their pickup time and date. 
And it also allowed them, here's like the, the big piece of the puzzle, is that it also allowed them to pay on their credit card so they didn't need to have the money on that date. Because um, sometimes it does get expensive, right? Mm-hmm. So offering a way where people can almost like buy hay on their credit cards, <laughs> that, was, that was received quite well. And actually gained quite a few customers because I have that option. Where a lot of the uh, traditional people out there, they only do cash only or an e-transfer. And that's pretty much it. Okay, so you're operating a system where pretty much everyone out there is is pretty old school in their methods. They're not trying to find new ways to do things. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely the the, the only one I know of, like innovating like hay sales, <laughs> which is such like you don't hear that every day. In right? this day and age, you'd think hay sale innovation would be through the roof. But <laughs> <laughs> I know, I'm I'm shocked. Yeah, and so. I guess there's no there's no other companies that are do you know of any other companies that are trying to do it throughout Canada or are you the only one who's trying to find a new way to do things? Uh, I'm the only one I know of mm. who's trying to find a new way to do things. I know there's a few other hay brokers that are actually closing their doors right now and shutting down, and we're actually in the process of acquiring their their businesses uh, right now, which is super exciting mm. because uh, most of the people who don't have any kind of tech kind of implemented, they're all doing it uh, very tra- like traditionally with pen and paper. And right now with the pandemic, with all the all the floods throughout BC, it's a complete nightmare. Mm. And uh, people just aren't really seeing it worth their while anymore. Yeah. Because the contribution uh, margins for, yes, this business is very, very low. <laughs> so, so you originally had the online platform and you're allowing them to pay through credit cards. That was an advantage, right? Um, did you ha- have any other changes that you made to the business after that? Yeah, so uh, about a month ago, we just launched a subscription program where people can get on a Hey subscription. So it's a reoccurring kind of payment that comes out of their account each and every month. And then we just get dinged with the invoice that gets sent to the like the Hey Depot, like that gets sent to the people running the like the Hey Depot. And they just fulfill that order. So what's really good about that is that a lot of times we don't really know how much product to bring in each and every month. And we're, uh, we don't want to sit on it for too long. Or we don't want to bring in too little and sell out. Mm-hmm. So having the majority of our customers on a subscription, then we know exactly how much we need each and every month. So it secures the hay supply for the customer and also does for us as well. So, we, so we're not selling out or overstocking and having any product go go like go bad on us. Yeah, I feel like every business out there, if there is not a subscription version of it, then there probably should be. Yeah, because it just it makes things so much easier for everyone, especially something that's so consistently needed. Like this is this is essentially food for the animals, right? Yep, and they need to keep eating. <laughs> so it makes way more sense to know how much it's going to be every month and to just constantly have that supply, right? Yep, and a little kind of like founder tip is that investors love subscriptions. Mm-hmm. Like if, if, if you bring up anything subscription-based, you'll get funding a lot easier as well. Yeah, it's very true. Because for one thing, it's it's much more reliable. Like once you have a customer in the door and they're paying on a consistent basis, you can, you can estimate how long they're going to be a customer. You can see how much it's going to be every month. And you can pretty easily forecast out, okay, well if we have this many customers and we keep growing and getting some more soon, this is going to be this size of a business. And um, 
investors want to lower their risk as much as possible. So anything where there's consistency, where they can see that it's like, it's most likely going to happen, then it makes it look much better to them. Yep. No, a hundred percent. I know I actually um, just got some funding because I do have a very large kind of picture for where this is going to go. Mm-hmm. And uh, what really caught his eye is that I was running a profitable business with quite a few customers. Plus I had quite a few already on us is on a subscription. Mm-hmm. So he was saying how like just looking at, at your business, your gross sales, it's almost a no brainer that like, yes, of course I want to invest in this because mm-hmm. you're running in the green. You have quite a few customers. It's a product that people need. They run out and they buy more. And if you can kind of lock them on uh, in a subscription kind of model, then that kind of furthers the, the income security for yourself plus your investors as well. Yeah, definitely. Have you thought about uh, the market size at all for, I guess, for for hay for horses? I guess it's the main focus right now. Have you thought about how big that is in, in Canada or in America or where you could focus on? Yeah, so um, our, our plan is to kind of be like the Amazon of farming and uh, just kind of, take care of all the back-end logistics with kind of one click of a mouse to the consumer, mm. which is going to be very, very cool once it's all kind of built. Wow. You know, are you worried that at some point Amazon is going to enter the business? <laughs> <laughs> you never Maybe. know with Jeff Bezos. Yeah. If he, uh, if he sees what you're doing, he might be interested. You know what? There's, all, there's always room for uh, collaboration. <laughs> Actually, I don't, think he's the, uh, I don't think he's the CEO anymore. I think uh, someone else took over, but he's still on the board or something like that. He'll, he'll find a way. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully I meet him one day. <laughs> okay. So you're mostly focused on the hay right now. And like, do you, do you think it was a lot through knowing connections and community where you got the initial customers or like, how, how did you get the first customer? Yeah. So the first customer was just um, like pretty much like our neighbors. Mm. People knew that I was bringing in hay for our horses, like Alberta kind of Timothy. Like lower like low sugar Alberta Timothy. It's a good the, shit. The the low sugar part okay. is what kind of gets people googly eyed. Oh. And um yeah, so the it's kinda like the, the neighbors told told somebody who told somebody. And then I started posting some ads on a Facebook marketplace. So I kind of advertised myself that way. Mm-hmm. And uh things just grew very organically from there. I mean I feel like my uh I, I, I feel like my business growth just like the product I'm selling is going to be very like organic. Yeah. It's probably the kind of thing that's not super easy to advertise, I guess. Yeah. Because maybe you'd be able to focus on farmers and like target them with ads. But for the most part, it's going to be hard to focus on the specific people who are going to be interested and willing to, to try out a subscription model. Like it's, it's a little bit more harder than focusing on just selling clothing or something like that, right? Yep, 100%. And I've actually been pretty surprised on how almost willing, like, that demographic of people are to almost, like, try out new technology. Hmm. When I first launched the subscription model, I mean, I was hesitant to roll it out. So, like, will this work? It's, it's It was, um, the majority of it was, like, custom custom built. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't built by a plug-in or anything. And, um, I mean, we, we test it pretty good. There's always that little bit of hesitation of, well, if 30 people at once are using it, will it, will it crash? Will it perform? Yeah. And uh, I had a conversation with one of my investors, actually. 
And he's like, Mike, sometimes you just got to do it and then clean it up afterwards. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's just so, so true. I feel like the, the founder's job is to make as big as a mess as he can <laughs> and then get, you know, smarter people than he to clean it up afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's good advice for sure. If, uh, if your business is not messy, then you're not doing something right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. There's no way to just cleanly come in and try and start something that's completely new that nobody's ever done and know how to do it. There's no rule book on it, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think that's that's pretty key, just just going for it and seeing what's going to happen. Yeah. That's why I think the whole kind of, like, faith aspect of business is, is pretty key because you almost got to be, like, patient with the, like, results but aggressive with the work habit and just have some blind faith that eventually it's going to work out if you stay like consistent yeah i think that holds a lot of people back uh, i know uh before i started my own business i was trying to figure out exactly how everything was going to work and it's just so you can't figure everything out at the beginning there's no way but so many people that's natural for them they need to they need to be able to see clearly what's going to happen but certain people are willing to just jump into things and go for it and it works out well for them Yep, a hundred percent. You kind of have to like jump off the bridge and then build an airplane on like the way back, like on the way down. Yeah, and hopefully you have all the parts with you. <laughs> off the bridge, you gotta be, you don't have a lot of time to build an airplane. Let's see, maybe uh, a boat. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good call. Something like that. Kind of yeah. gotta jump first and then figure out how to land safely afterwards. Yeah. So I could see for the hay it being easier to get the smaller customers because people might have their own horses or they might it might be like a small farm that has a few horses. But when you're dealing with other agricultural products, I'm guessing that could be like grain and different feed and stuff like that. Are you, would you be selling to a lot of bigger farms? Yep. So uh, right now we're, we're actually in the middle of getting into uh, alfalfa cubes and, uh, and grains for animals as well. And we're actually doing this really cool like reusable bin program. So uh, what we're doing is we're buying all of our kind of grains and alfalfa cubes in bulk. And we're buying like really good quality stuff, but just not pre-packaged. And then we're getting these uh, reusable totes made that people can purchase. Then we just keep the totes filled up. So what that's going to allow us to do is we can have a very competitive price because we're buying the product in bulk. Plus we're saving the environment because we're not using like those, like those big plastic mm-hmm. um, kind of bags that yeah. uh, traditionally like this stuff comes in, right? So it's, it's better for the environment, plus it may be even cheaper than what any store can offer. Hmm. So in and the middle you, of launching that. W- would they bring that back to you after they've used up the cubes? <laughs> I have no <laughs> idea what alfalfa cubes are for, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Cubes. It's definitely a pretty um, like niche thing to know about. Mm-hmm. But uh, we're actually going to have a driver that goes around mm-hmm. and just swaps out the bins. Yeah. So they're going to get a full one. And then they're going to get their empty one or the half empty one or something back. Yeah, it seems like it's surprising that they no one had developed a better system for agricultural products like that. Because I, it's something that you're going to consistently need on a consistent basis, right? So it's surprising that no one else has really tried to do that. Yep, exactly. And I guess going back to your question about the bigger farms, mm. we actually currently supply uh, like bigger farms as well, just as the more like traditional hay hay broker but where i see more potential is like the bigger farms are great but no one's kind of tackling the the small kind of person with a few pasture pets like mm-hmm. with a couple horses right 
So I feel like that's our niche that we really want to focus on. And then we'll end up acquiring the bigger clients along the way. Okay. So people are too focused on the, on the bigger clients and trying to move just like a huge amount of product at once. But because no one's focusing on the smaller clients, they're not trying to find a way to kind of efficiently get it to them. A hundred percent. So I'm kind of doing what no one else wants to do because it, it mm. definitely is uh, logistical, like logistically a huge headache. Yeah. But we're building systems and technology to take that away. So I, I was wondering some, some of the problems that you might have ran into while you're running your business. I'm guessing, like I know just talking to you that there's been lots of things where you had to run away and try and solve some ridiculous thing happening. Um, but recently there was some massive floods and a huge amount of Vancouver Island and also the mainland in BC was super flooded, Abbotsford and a bunch of places. What was it like when all of that was happening for you? Yeah, so that was definitely a pretty questionable uh, stent of time. And during all that, I wasn't too sure what I was going to do, to be honest with you. I uh, looked into, uh, you know, keeping the supply chain running and my trucking cost uh, tripled actually. Wow. Because there was one point where there was no highways even opened, uh, like that connected Alberta to BC. It was physically impossible. Mm. So the truck would have to go through the state. And uh, it was, yeah, it, it was over triple of what I usually pay. And I guess pretty much all the farmers are probably paying way more for everything at this point, I'm guessing, right? Yeah. No, things are pretty ridiculous out there right now. Is it still is there still a lot of negative effects like the highways or I know there was lots of damage to the highways that they haven't been able to fix yet. Yeah. So a lot or not a lot, but some of the bridges on the main highways, the uh, military uh, stepped in and repaired. Okay. When the military put in all of the bridges, they made the step on them too high where the trucks actually bottom out. And a lot uh, on a lot of the highway tractors, they have skirts on them. And uh, the bridges were ripping, were ripping off the skirts. Oh. It's like a low-hanging uh, piece of metal or plastic or whatever. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the, the the way the military built the temporary bri- like uh, bridges, the step onto them where it was too high, and a lot of the trucks couldn't, they couldn't, couldn't make they it. They still couldn't get through. Yeah. So Damn. it's still a big mess. Yeah. But uh, what I'm doing now is actually uh, pivoted, and now I'm shipping everything by rail. Mm. And uh, God bless rail. <laughs> Everyone forgets about about via rail. <laughs> yeah, or it, you just you don't really think about it in your day to day basis. But that's that's one system that they use for many years to get things around, right? Yep, hundred percent. And I'm, uh, I actually see like the floods were horrible, but it almost worked in my favor because I probably would have never thought about uh, like rail prior. Mm. And I'm actually getting a really competitive price shipping uh, like with CP rail, mm-hmm. which I'm super happy about. And it's, uh, it's a little bit more, re- it's actually a lot more reliable. Yeah. Than shipping by Probably truck. more consistent there. They've got constant scheduled loads going through. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, that's, uh, that's how I solve that problem is there's no way I could afford, uh, shipping anything by truck anymore. Yeah. And then at one point I tried to pass on, I tried to give my cost, to my customers. Yeah. And I was like, I'll just break even. Like, you know what? I just want to, I, I don't want to lose these customers. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of people in these situations, they get upset when companies raise their prices because they think they're taking, maybe taking advantage of the customers. 
but sometimes it's the only way to make it work. It sounds like this is the situation here. Yeah, well, it's pretty interesting because during the floods, I was having customers crying, calling me like in tears and they're panicking that they couldn't get, uh, like they couldn't, or I couldn't get hay from their buy to feed their their horses. Mm -hmm. So like, yeah, I know that I know that there was lots of problems with that where farmers could not get their animals the, the feed that they needed and they were they were essentially like starving, right? So it, it was the same kind of situation here. They needed this hay or, or they couldn't go, they couldn't yeah, survive. pretty much. And uh, actually the first, so yeah, that was a pretty big <laughs> pitch point and a lot of stress for a little while. Because mm. like when you're having your customers like in tears, like panicking, saying like, I need, like, I need hay to feed my animals and I can't feed local hay because they're scared it's going to kill their horrors. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's like definitely a lot of pressure. But uh, again, we figured it out. And actually, the first load was CP Rail. Uh, after the container got to the shipyard in Vancouver, uh, it took us a while for them to release the sea can because they were only prioritizing essential goods. Yeah. And anything that wasn't essential, they weren't even thinking about, uh, like, I guess, uh, putting it on a truck and letting it leave the port. Yeah, that makes sense. And I guess hu human essential goods is probably weighed above animal essential goods well here's uh <laughs> this is kind of how the stories the story un like unfolds so we had a delivery date and then um the broker that i was using she said oh yeah it should be totally fine like it'll be delivered on the on that date and that date comes and she's like she and she's like i don't know what's going on mike but they're not they're not releasing the container from the from the dockyard and she wasn't even aware that uh, the dockyards were only prioritizing essential goods. Mm. So I was like, well, I mean, this is definitely essential. Like, like I have, there's, there's customers like literally like waiting for the truck to, to come off the ferry mm -hmm. so they can grab and they, they can grab feed and feed their animals, right? Yeah. So uh, they're saying how it usually takes a few weeks to get uh, essential status. And I was like, that's not acceptable right i was like who do mm. i call how the heck do i figure this out they can't go a few weeks without eating yeah so within an hour uh like i was deemed essential and the very next day they uh because my container was totally buried uh in the shipyard mm -hmm. and they unburied it and put it on a truck <laughs> and like the next day it was uh delivered wow and just from being a little bit assertive and saying like this is definitely essential yeah and we don't have two weeks to wait for a bunch of uh bureaucracy to uh to get the essential stamp for these starving horses yeah well that must have felt good to be able to help them out and make sure that these horses get the food that they need yeah did it you must you must have been pretty happy when that actually went through yeah no i was pretty i was pretty excited mm -hmm. it, was, it was the the first load by by rail was definitely a uh it was it, it was definitely a little bit uh nerve-wracking because mm. we did have a lot of things kind of come up and, and it's the first time you do it and it's they're depending on it so much yeah. so you, you've never even tried this system before but hey let's we got to do it how else are they going to eat yeah i had a, a lot of my customers they're um they didn't even believe that i could get hay in mm. so they're pretty skeptical that i was actually bringing product in and when that truck pulled up everyone was pretty relieved and excited yeah and now we have the process pretty dialed pretty dialed in mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, it's it's getting better. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Well, I mean, obviously it's awful that it happened, but it's uh, it's nice that you're able to help people get what they need and have a consistent supply. 
And I, it seems like the fact that you have multiple locations probably helps take away some of that risk too. Like uh, the other suppliers, are they mostly just supplying from one one spot? Yep, 100%. So I think I'm the only person uh, with like different locations. Mm -hmm. So we can service all the areas. And we offer, we have a whole kind of a delivery platform that we're building. So we're essentially going to kind of not copy, skip the dishes, but kind of have the same thing where if somebody needs a haylage like delivered or any like grain delivered or anything, we're going to have an app that connects them with the driver to, or, or like a customer with a supplier to a driver to therefore like deliver it to them. So okay. that's how we're dealing with uh, the whole delivery aspect on that oh. as well. So they can they can order it like you would uh, Uber Eats or skip the dishes or something. You want something, you click a button and it shows up. <laughs> and you can maybe maybe you can get the the little truck tracking and everything. And they can see it on its way. It's yeah, it's, it's being built. Yeah, that's that's awesome. That's the way everything should move. Yeah, you know at that that moment when you first use Uber and you can see, or I mean this was years back, obviously, but when you first use it and you can see the little car coming and you know how far away it is and the time and everything that, that was just, that was just a huge moment. I feel. So I think eventually depending on how things go and uh, how our business model kind of morphs along the way, it usually changes probably over a dozen times. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but um, right now our kind of whole business model of just uh, allowing people to open up like a little hay vending depot and then be supporting them like uh our company supporting them with all the backend logistics. That's going really well right now. Yeah. And then if we get uh, our whole delivery system down for like grains and alfalfa cubes and supplements, and we're uh, actually moving to pet food soon too. So like dog food and cat food and whatnot. I'm doing a subscription dog food essentially. Oh, would that be for farms and agriculture still, or is this just for anybody? For everyone. That's, that's uh I wasn't going to talk too much about that because that's that's a whole nother angle, mm -hmm. but that's being worked on uh, as we speak as well. Yeah. Well, I guess in general, once you have a good supply chain system set up and you have logistics, and you have a system for people to subscribe and get set up, then there's no stopping really what you can supply. Yep. A hundred percent. So once we, we're, we're, we're currently building all the systems and all the softwares and like all the, all the apps, uh, but all that backend software can be used for anything. Mm. So the sky's the limit. Would you, is it a separate app for the dog and cat food or would it all be kind of lumped into one application? Uh, the short answer to that is right, <laughs> right now, I'm not, I'm not too sure yeah. what it's going to look like, mm -hmm. but we're, there's definitely a need out there for it. And uh, we're, we're already talking to suppliers about buying it in bulk. Mm. And uh, working at logistics around that. Yeah. And then we're talking to actually a local um, manufacturer actually on Vancouver Island about uh, like about like regarding them actually pivoting because right now they make chicken feed. But uh, we're talking about them if they want to get into like dog and like dog food and cat food. And then it'd be all kind of locally grown, locally made. Oh, okay. And cool. People love stuff from Vancouver Island. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And if you can get it on the island, it's so much better because you don't have to bring it in from somewhere else, right? Yep, exactly. And even having like them as like the central location. Oh, okay. Be cool. Cool. Wow, I'm excited to see uh, where things go from here. It seems like <laughs> it seems like there's a lot in the works. There, there definitely is.
yeah. yeah. Do you find it hard to know specifically what to focus on next? Um, yes and no. I think it's, it's again, I, I, I put a lot of thought into like my kind of go to market plan and how I want to roll it out. So right now I'm just thinking about this aspect and not thinking about anything else. Mm. And then eventually I'll forget about the aspect I was thinking about and then move on to the, to like the next one. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm almost like segmenting my brain into, okay, now you're thinking about this. Now you're thinking, thinking about uh, like about that. Yeah, and so I you're just, not you're not too like torn between different things at one point in time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I I, I keep the the big picture in mind, but it would be impossible to jump from task to task to task, mm -hmm. and that's what I used to do, and that, it like drives you insane. I think. I think it's a problem that a lot of entrepreneurs run into because there's so many different directions you can take things in, and most of the time, if it's your business, you have all these awesome ideas. But if you're thinking about them all at once, you can never really get anything done because you're constantly saying, oh, well, I can do this, but oh, maybe I should work on this for this other thing. Yep, exactly. Actually, something I do, it's, um, it's like a now, next, nice list. Mm. So I put three categories and I have a category for now of like things I want to start working on like today and accomplish like now. Yep. And then things I want to accomplish next, either like during like the weeks coming or tomorrow or something. And then I have a nice list of, hey, this would be nice, but I'm not gonna start thinking, I'm, I, I, I'm not gonna start thinking about it till whenever it comes up. I'm whenever. guessing the majority of the nice list does not ever get done. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. That's usually how it works though. You need, you need to be able to put it in a separate list and then just wait and focus on what you need to focus on now. And then later on, maybe you'll look at it and think, okay, well, but there's these other things that are important now. So they take over. Yep. I'm, I'm, uh, I never used to be, but I'm really falling in love with a list and writing down your ideas. Mm. And, uh, there's definitely something to like the power, like the power list and writing like five crucial tasks down or, or like writing down what you want to accomplish in that day in the morning yeah. and then crossing them out. I know like I, I should start doing it more, like more often. That's something like, like I'm trying to better, but whenever I do, it's like the most productive days. Yeah. When I know exactly what I'm working on and when I'm going to be doing what and what's next after I accomplish like the next task. Yeah, definitely. I I'd say I'm someone who does always keep a list. Like there's so many things I feel like I need to keep track of, but the problem that I find is that I'll make the list pretty small at the beginning. There'll just be like a few things in that one day, but then a couple of things don't get done. So they move to the next day. And then there's a list of five things that day, plus the two things. And then over time, it just builds up and builds up. So I think, I think you're right in that you have to try and really keep things to like, what is essential to do right now? What are, what are you looking to do in the near future? And then the rest is just going on the, yeah. A nice list. <laughs> and then why don't you think you finish that list? I think it's, I don't know if it's just me. I think it's more a natural human thing where you can imagine the steps that it takes to, to do tasks, right? And you can say, okay, this is what my day is going to be like. These are the steps that I have to do. But it's really hard to imagine what you don't know is going to happen. Like you don't know what's going to go wrong. You don't know the issues you're going to run into. And it's just so hard to, to book that into the time. And I think eventually you can try to try to just estimate, okay, it's going to be twice as long, 
but it, it takes a lot of effort to try and figure that out. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I, I definitely agree with that. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's, it's a problem. It's really hard to estimate time on things. I guess that's a, a, a learned skill that we, we might get better at over time, but who knows, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe we don't get better at it. <laughs> Maybe know. you just need to develop systems where you're forcing yourself to, to take it into account. Like always, always saying things are going to take twice as long even though you think it's going to take half the time. Yeah, well, it's going to be it's it's definitely going to be an interesting journey for uh, both of us because we're still pretty young and uh, lots lots of stuff to to go through and innovate and yep. uh, lots of wins and lots of fail like lots of failures yet to be had. So yep. I'm looking forward to it. We're going to be so damn efficient at these lists in a few years <laughs> <laughs> and the, and these podcasts too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it's going to be smooth. I like it. I wanted to ask you, you recently moved to Victoria, right? And you're living, living downtown, the downtown lifestyle, which is way different from how you were living in Machosan. And where was it that you were living in Machosan? Yeah, so I, um, I lived in a few different properties uh, within Machosan, mm-hmm. but the most recent one was actually an old chicken coop. It's just perfect, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> the fact that you're, you're selling hay and you're living in a chicken coop. Yep. So uh, yeah, the place I lived at it used to be it, it used to be like a, a barn for for horses actually like mm-hmm. horse it was like a horse stable. Okay. And then it was turned into a ginormous chicken coop that had almost two hundred and something chickens in it, maybe okay. more at one point. Yeah. And then uh, the old owners of the property um, renovated it into like an Airbnb, <laughs> and it's actually pretty cool. It's like it's like a modern kind of rustic look. Yeah, that's definitely in nowadays. Yeah. The the rustic barn style. Yeah, and uh, I my all is it's pretty much one big building, and it's all windows. So there's like a big window and like maybe a foot of wall and then another window. So zero privacy, but uh, luckily <laughs> I didn't live where too many people kind of were. <laughs> yeah, the and chickens didn't have a lot of privacy expectations. Definitely not. They were, they were pretty open creatures. Yeah, exactly. That's that's awesome, man. I uh, so it was two hundred and something chickens, and like, do you ever do you ever feel do you ever find any remnants of any like feathers or anything like that? Uh, definitely no. It, it's actually like it's it's um definitely almost worth checking out if you're in the area. Mm. So I think after I moved out, I was just renting. And I think they're um Airbnb it. It's it's on Airbnb again. Yeah. And uh, the old properties to live on, they were uh, big into like breath work and meditation. So they actually built a big geodesic dome for offering like breath work classes. Mm. And they're, um, yeah, they're offering uh, getaways now for people. So you can stay in my old chicken coop, plus uh, com- like complement it with like the geodesic dome and doing like breath work and meditation and stuff yeah. with my old landlord. Wow, that is one way to turn a chicken coop around <laughs> isn't it <laughs> there's got to be some kind of saying about that when you when life gives you a chicken coop turn it around and airbnb it <laughs> exactly so i can say i literally flew the coop uh yeah. nice one okay <laughs> i can't i can't laugh at that but i'll appreciate that as a joke okay good <laughs> i'm glad someone got it yeah 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 well i, I should mention uh mike and i both we run our business out of, out of the same co-working space we're at uh, quench in victoria so yeah i've I've talked to Mike a whole bunch of times here, of course, and uh, it seems like a lot of times you're going off on some kind of adventure, trying to to resolve some crazy issue with uh, getting 
he delivered or who knows what, like a tree falls down and you have to get it out of the way. <laughs> so, uh, so there seems to be lots of those kind of issues at the beginning, but I think, uh, I think for a lot of businesses, that's how it is. Do you think eventually you won't have to deal with that so much? It'll be more, um, automated. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a plan. I mean, there's always going to be like, it's still almost like a, like a service based business. So we're still always going to have that people aspect in there of, of like weather or uh, people being people because it's not a completely like software technology-based business. Yeah. We're just building software to have a service-based business better, if, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, so you still have to rely on a lot of people. You've got to rely on the delivery. You've got to rely on the people being there to accept the delivery and stuff like that, right? Yep, 100%. Mm. So we still deal with, like, trucks being late or showing up uh, a day after they're supposed to, and then we have laborers supposed to show up on that day, but then they can't come because the truck's a day late. And I think that's going to be always there. But, again, we're building things to kind of make that not as bad. We're, uh, we're also kind of building it because we're, we're, we're opening up quite a few locations around uh, Vancouver Island. And we're also uh, just expand. We, we we also just expanded onto uh, into Vancouver, into Abbotsford as well. Oh, okay. We're opening up a location. Uh, the mainland. I know. Big time. That's where it gets exciting. <laughs> cool. We, a company was closing their doors there because they just couldn't deal with all the headaches that come along with it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I reached out to them. I was like, "Hey, let's let's make this work." And uh, sure enough, looks like we're kind of acquiring them. And uh, we're going to make everyone's life a lot, a lot easier mm-hmm. kind of running their business, but with our back-end technology. Yeah, sounds great. Is, um, so do you end up having to own a lot of property then to make this work? Because I'm guessing you need a lot of different locations in order for people to access it pretty readily. Do you have to own a lot of property or is there another way of going about it? Yeah, no, that's a really good question. So how I have it, I almost have it like a side hustle for people. Where people can start up like their um, hay dealing business, so they just kind of contract to us, and then we supply them with all the logistic backend. They just have to worry about throwing like the hay bales into the backup, like uh, into the back of the customers' trucks, and then we give them X percentage uh, from each hay bale that leaves their property. So we set them up with uh, like a, a entire account. And pretty much all they have to do is check their email and look for invoices. And then the invoice says, okay, um, Harrison is coming at 1 a.m. to pick up 30 bales. Mm. And they just know, okay, at 1 a.m., I'll be around my property to throw 30 bales in the back of their truck. So you've essentially got a a marketplace going at the same time, connecting the people who have space available who could potentially sell agriculture products with all the different farmers and small um, farm owners that might want it, right? Yep. It's kind of like a two-sided marketplace. Well, I mean, all marketplaces are two-sided. <laughs> but <laughs> This one especially. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's very much like a, like a marketplace, <clears throat> but with kind of a twist to it. Yeah. And then I guess you also have to kind of rely on the, the per- person who's going to be... S- selling the product from their barn, right? 
So have you ran into any issues trying to make that work? Or has there any, been any weird situations where you couldn't quite rely on them? Um, as of now, no. And actually, if you look at uh, Airbnb, they're actually a wicked example on um, like how things were going really well until they weren't and what they do to or what they did to mitigate that. Hmm. So Airbnb, they didn't really have any um, really good kind of insurance for people renting out their properties until once like somebody rented out their, their, their house through Airbnb and it got completely destroyed. And then Airbnb were like, oh my gosh, we got to do something about this, right? For them, that's a, that's a huge risk too because one bad incident can make the news, but 10,000 like really relaxing stays at someone's house doesn't go anywhere. No yep. one hears about it. Actually, one of my um, investors know the people that started up that business. Mm. And uh, they, they, he was telling me that they thought they're done. After this one incident? Yeah. He's wow. like... They're like they they thought that no one was gonna you know would no one was going to trust kind of uh, them renting out like their properties on Airbnb yep. out of fear of this happening again, and that was it did feel like a big risk at the beginning. I remember the first time going and staying in someone else's house, it was strange, <laughs> <laughs> just showing up at someone's house and them showing you to a bedroom. It it, it didn't feel right. It took a while to for that to feel more normal. And then obviously now Airbnb is a little bit different now. Most of the most of the listings are for individual units, I'd say, but it still was a big a big thing to go through in people's minds where this is okay to stay in someone else's place. Yep, a hundred percent. So I, so I I know I kind of feel us being similar to them, where we don't really have any serious insurance. Or because right now, like the, the owners of the of the location, most of them have farm status. And through farm status, if I believe, there's some uh, insurance through that that covers people leaving your property. But tell something almost happens, God forbid, then I think we'll uh, roll out some insurance plan or something to cover that. But, hope, but hopefully... <laughs> Wait until barn burns down. <laughs> yeah, but... Hopefully we're, we're more established and we have the capital to kind of better handle that situation. Yeah. Well, at least in this case, the, the actual customers, they probably don't have that much to worry about because they're not the ones who have to make sure the hay is, or whatever the product is, is kept, kept for properly, right? Yeah. It's, but I guess the risk would mostly be on you because you're the one who owns the product and you're kind of just hoping and praying that nothing goes wrong, right? Yep, a hundred percent. So right now, like we front all the hay for the the people running the like the the, the depots, and sometimes we're fronting like up to ten thousand dollars at a time, wow. which is on the property, and like we pay for it, right? Mm -hmm. So let's say a tree falls on the shelter, or a huge windstorm comes in and blows the shelter over, and all the hay gets soaking wet, mm -hmm. <laughs> then that's not a good day, yeah, because that's that's on on the company that's that's on me essentially yeah so that's that's one thing that um hopefully won't happen anytime soon <laughs> but um i can definitely see it happening in the future and that's yeah to mitigate that you almost have to bet that something eventually is going to happen so when you're running a business like this this is, this is a risk that you're going to have but if uh if it does happen for one of the properties where they're selling it i'm guessing that's not going to be the end of the business it's just going to be a, quite a hit for you right 
Yeah, 100%. I have kind of a uh, little bit of like emergency money kind of put away for that scenario where it's okay if all else fails, I can dip into those funds mm. to get out of that hole. Or worst case, I go work for Harrison for a month or two. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Is it? Does it keep you up at night worrying about uh, the potential that something could go wrong, or do you do you sleep pretty tightly? Um, weirdly enough, I think that's one of my strong suits. Mm. Is I can just kind of um, like I worry about it, but I'm pretty good. Just kind of shrug my shoulders and saying, you know what, it like. Let's see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I kind of have the mindset of no matter what happens, we'll be able to figure it out. Mm-hmm. So I'm almost like, I'm not looking forward to, to kind of like, like the poop, but I do enjoy <laughs> figure like figuring out how to navigate it. Okay. And how to overcome Navigating it. the poop. Yeah. Okay. If, I'm if, missing the poop is something going horribly wrong. Ex- exactly. Okay. Okay. So like overcoming adversity or solving problems. Yeah. That so you're looking forward to overcoming. You know, I don't want to say I'm looking forward to it, but I definitely have the mindset of we will figure it out. Yeah. And and failing isn't like an option. Yeah, that's great. I always, uh, I think a lot of times in the moment, people have a really difficult time when something is not going well. And people can get really negative about it. This is, this is the worst thing that could happen. How am I ever going to get through this? But if you ever look back to something, even six months ago, nothing ever seems as bad as it did in the moment. Like there's, there's always such a disconnect between how you feel about it later on than in the moment. So if you're able to realize that, well, okay, in a few months, it's not going to be so bad, then maybe that could change your, your mindset when something isn't going right. Yep. No, 100%. I don't know, the way I look at it is that, like, I, don't know, I, I, I think life is kind of one big story. And you should be proud that you overcame enough where you where you have a story worth telling, mm. where people would, would want you on their podcasts. Like, oh my god, like you did this and you like you survived or you you didn't quit and you didn't give up. Yeah. So I I almost look at all the adversity as like like my like success tax. Yeah. Like I'm gonna push through this, overcome it, conquer it, and that's what's gonna allow me to live the life that I want to live. Yeah, you you do need a story. If your if your story is just oh everything went pretty well and it was very consistent <laughs> and easy, you're a liar. Kind of, yeah. Maybe you're a liar, but yeah. maybe you just don't have a very exciting story. Yeah. <laughs> but I yeah, you'd want you want to be able to have to go through some adversity. Like every hero goes through that, right? Yeah, I think something that that I truly believe, I tell myself like quite a bit is almost like the worse you you have it, the better you're going to have it. So like, let's say you 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 have. Uh, a wicked hard time uh, getting to where you want to go or getting your business off the like uh, off the ground. Mm-hmm. You're going to have a higher appreciation for your business than somebody else who everything worked out. They didn't really overcome anything. It was just total smooth, like total smooth sailing. Yeah. And I think when you're, when you have appreciation for something that kind of leads to more happiness, right? So you, so you almost see the happiest people, um, like are or like I think the happiest people out there are the people that overcame the most. Mm-hmm. So I think you should almost be proud of facing like the so-called poop and like the adversity and all like the the stuff that comes along with entrepreneurship. Yeah, very true. 
That's that's a that's a quote right there. Face the poop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Face the poop. Face the poop and your story Embrace will be much it. better. Embrace the yeah. poop. Exactly. Dive in the poop. Okay, yeah. this, this is getting off track here. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay, off. I mean, horses poop a lot. Actually, there's a lot of money in horse poop. Oh, yeah? yeah. How, do you, how, do you, uh, how do you sell horse poop? You can uh, sell it as fertilizer. Oh, uh, okay. And if you can get um, hay that's that's grown with no pesticides, mm-hmm. then doesn't, like, taint the like the horse poop and doesn't kill, like, what they fertilize. Oh, so you end up with better fertilizer. Exactly. Okay. So that's – I actually have somebody running a depot now. And uh, he's really excited about horse poop because he wants to go and start collecting horse poop and turning it into compost. Mm. And uh, yeah, he's he's excited about about poop. He's embracing the poop. Yeah, well, you gotta get excited about something. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it seems like everything is so interconnected with the uh, in like the agricultural world, like that everything is used to its maximum potential, and it's it's just there's there was a lot of thought that's put into everything. Like, I couldn't imagine if someone gave me a huge plot of land, I would have no idea how to even start. And I feel like there's such, like, specific systems and knowledge that is required to make make it actually work. Yeah, no, there's definitely a lot to farm. I mean, anyone who farms, like, they have my outright respect, right? Mm. And, uh, I mean, I, I I love that that whole crowd. So, I, I know, it's, I guess it probably takes an interesting breed to pull a business like this off. They almost have to have a, a deep-rooted passion for agricultural and, like, farming in a whole. And then you also have to have, like, that, that tech kind of, not nerdy side, mm-hmm. but that, like, tech side. Just the ability to think of how could I create a system for this. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Not everyone thinks in that way. Yeah, you just have to think of uh, kind of how can we make this better. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's a question that I want to kind of be asking for the, the rest of my life is how can we make this, like, how can we make this better? Yeah, so do you see yourself uh, continuing with this business for the rest of your life? Or do you think uh, do you think at some point you'll switch and do something else? Um, uh, that's a great that's a great question. <laughs> the answer is probably I have no idea. Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> okay, that's fair. No, I, could, uh, I can definitely see. I, uh, I do have some other ideas and businesses that I'm working on in other kind of av- like avenues. Yeah. I know I'm pretty big in the whole kind of uh, reusable shopping bag industry as well that's a whole other tangent and it's a whole other room for innovation i feel like every time i talk to you i hear about a new business that you've either launched at some point or are currently doing you've you've got you've had a lot of a lot of different businesses in your days i've definitely tried uh, a few different things Mm -hmm. that all kind of led me to here yeah so this um i mean allegro actually uh, allegro network is our incorporated name and right now we're just branded underneath my hay farm, but we're uh, getting into a lot more than just hay fairly soon. So we're going to rebrand everything to all agro, and that's going to be our um, our new branding come mm. Jan Jan first. Yeah, the name is great. Uh, all all agriculture, right? Yeah, agro. Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, and allegro we spell it with an e, like it's it's also means like it's a musical term, like upbeat, like oh, up, yeah. like upbeat, happy kind of cheerful okay cool. so everyone's feeling good because they're they're getting all their agricultural products in time exactly um <laughs> <laughs> uh, so since you since you are working on a few different things at the same time do you find that it distracts you at all from your main business or do you do you need to be able to work on multiple things at a time um i feel like recently i i've really been just kind of focusing on allegro 
because it is my main focus and that's the one with the most traction. Mm-hmm. I, um, I, I, I mean, I do put some thought behind other projects, but I'm very, I kind of like switch hats pretty quickly. Yeah. But for the last little while, I've just been focusing on um, Allegro. Yeah, you and see, you see the potential there, and and how much uh, how much it's been growing. Yeah, exactly. And now that I'm getting like a, a like proper investors and like a board of directors and all that yeah. stuff, now I really have to be focused. But the other projects I'm working on as well, we're actually tying them together into one one big business. Mm. So everything's going to intertwine pretty soon, which is it's like a stay tuned thing but it's going to be really cool once it's all kind of completed so it's the it's the amazon approach pretty much because you start selling books you start selling hay and then you keep moving on to more and more things until you take over agriculture (laughs) 100 (laughs) percent. yeah cool yeah and uh yeah i mean it's one thing that i've definitely found for myself is that i have a, a lot of interests and things pull me in different ways um, but I think once you find something that is really, it, it really feels like it's got a lot of potential, then there's enough force there to kind of not enough gravity to pull you in that direction. And, um, I don't know about you, but I need, I need something like that. I need something to really pull me towards it. Yeah. You definitely, I don't know, like you, you, you definitely have to be like motivated at the start to do it, but the motivation will like run off and it, then it'll just take more discipline to kind of carry, like to carry on with it. Mm-hmm. But you definitely have to do, uh, like it's definitely good to see the bigger picture and know kind of why you're doing what you're doing. I mean, Simon, uh, Simon Sinek says like the best, like you have to really know your why. Mm-hmm. And even after like the motivation, I guess, wears off, you can kind of come back to that why and get re-motivated. Like, okay, like everything I'm doing is complementing my, my, my end goal. And even with my other businesses or ideas, they, they all complement each other. So it's not like completely different different things. Yep. It's still still kind of under the same umbrella and still correlates with, with like my my life goals. And what would you say that your your why is? Is it is it just helping supply agriculture products or is there more to it than that? Yeah, no, I think um I mean, I could be completely wrong right now because I think entrepreneurship is blowing up. But I feel like there's 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 never been so much innovation. But there's also, I don't know, I, I think a lot of people are starting entrepreneurship but not finishing it. Yeah. And uh, a big why for me is I, I think it's never been easier to, to be a successful entrepreneur right now. But it's almost too easy where 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 people. They start, they face, quote, quote, poop, and then that blows them out mm-hmm. because it was too easy to start. And Okay, so you think there's not enough barriers in the way of starting a business. Yeah. And I, it, it's true. There's, it's easier now than it ever was, for sure. Yeah. But because of that, people don't have to get, uh, maybe they're not dedicated enough to the business at the beginning because they haven't put in that initial effort. And that's kind of stopping them once they run into one issue. Yeah, no, I think there's definitely truth to uh, to that. Where you can go on like owner and incorporate a business in like under 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And you're like, hey, I have an incorporated company now, but you have no clue like what that even means, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of people out there just for like the Instagram pictures and stories. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're not actually getting their hands dirty, right? Yeah. There's at some point you have to kind of 
not look good or smell good to be uh, to be successful. Yeah. Plus, a lot of those things kind of it feels like progress. So once you've done it, oh, I've got I've got a business now. But but you don't really you just have uh, something on paper, but you don't you don't really have something that's fully functional yet. Yeah, I think you should never celebrate too early. Mm-hmm. That's what blows a lot of people out. They say, hey, we did this, let's celebrate. Oh, we did that, let's let's celebrate. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I mean, I haven't celebrated at all yet. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't celebrated once? Well, maybe once. I mean, just like a little woo-hoo. Yeah, just like by myself in the shower maybe. But, okay, yeah. Uh, that's, yeah. That's, that's all you get. It. That's all you're allowed. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, is there is there any other things you wanted to talk about? No, I think that's um, pretty much it. And uh, I think there's never been so many problems in the world as of right now. And uh, it's up to uh, you to come up with a solution. I think if you have a good solution, do it. Yeah. Period. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, I think. Uh, and I think a lot of times you don't know necessarily exactly what the solution is going to be. But as long as you go out there and you attempt it, you're going to find that getting deep into it and trying to solve something, you're going to find so many different different ways to go about it. And just spending that time, that effort, eventually you're going to get there. Yeah, 100%. And um, like usually, or I want to say 100% of the time, your initial solution to the problem you're trying to innovate is not going to be how you solve it. Mm-hmm. You're going to learn more about that market. You're going to learn more about that problem along, like, along the way. And your solution to that problem is going to be completely different than your initial thought. Yeah, and I think the way you went about things is a pretty good example of just kind of diving in and not really having to try and figure things out too much at the beginning. And I think that's that's really key. You need to just see what you can do, go for it, and then go from there. Yep, you also start doing something and almost know that like what like what you're doing today is probably not going to be used in the future, but you kind of have to do it to learn how to actually do it. And it's almost you have to you have to fail before you can win. Yeah. There you go. All right. I like it. This is uh this is my talk with uh, Mike Tyler from Allegro. Um thanks for coming on. Yeah, no, it was a pleasure, Harrison. And uh Hopefully, I wish you luck with this podcast, and I'm sure it'll yeah. add a lot of value to your uh, listeners. Yeah, first one went pretty well, and uh, maybe I'll have you back on once uh, once your business is exploding and you've got uh, a few new revenue streams, and we'll see we'll see what kind of problems you ran into then. Perfect. I'm uh, looking forward to it. Okay. I'm sure there'll be lots of problems to talk about. I'm sure. <laughs> okay. Thanks a lot. No worries.